29. And uh, we are talking about the faith of Joseph. And this Hebrews 11 is the Hall of Faith chapter. It's all of the Old Testament faithful people and what God uh, did for them in, as they followed him in faith. And so we're just going down the list. One of my favorite people in all the Bible is the man Joseph. And all it says, and this was a big disappointment for me. You know, we've, we've got several verses about Abraham and Sarah. And then you just got a couple verses about Isaac. And then there's just one verse about Jacob. And, uh, and we talked about how that that means more than we think. And the same thing is for Joseph. And you get to verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, if you've read the life of Joseph, it's kind of like, that's all he gets? I mean, chapter 37 to chapter 50 of the book of Genesis is all about Joseph. And you talk about a guy that lived an amazing life. I mean, his brother sold him as a slave. He ends up in Egypt and everyone thinks he's dead and it looks like it's over. And then he comes back and becomes second in command of all of Egypt. It's an amazing story. And yet all that they give him in chapter eleven twenty-two is something about his bones. What is up with that? Man, I don't know who wrote Hebrews, but he sure messed up. No, just kidding. Uh, this is really cool. And um, of all the things that you can say about Joseph, this is, this is really neat. And I really, I really once I learned this I, and saw this in a different way, I thought, wow, praise the Lord for that. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 11, I'm reading from our book on page 29. The Lord brings us to the death scenes of Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph in a very real sense. We live all of our lives for one moment. Everything in life is pre preparation for that one moment. It is the moment when we close our eyes on this world and open them in the world to come. Because that's the end of our time. And that's when eternity starts. And, and once eternity starts, I mean, it's going to be awesome. Heaven and uh, our new home in, in, um, in, in the eternal world that we don't see right now, but exists, but we don't see it. Uh, what an awesome place. But it will be the end of our time. We'll no longer have any more time to do anything for God. Uh, or invest or lay up treasure in heaven. You know, your investment portfolio window opportunity will end once you stop breathing. But if you're saved, you will be in a good place. You'll be in heaven, and that will be for eternity. But from that point on, you'll no longer have time. You'll just be in eternity. And so for the child of God, this will be a moment we behold the Lord Jesus face to face. And we have someone in our church that's slowly but surely fading off the scene. And one day she'll look into the face of Jesus instead of all of us as time slips away and she is in eternity. But in verse 22, it says, By faith Joseph, when he died, and we talked last week about Jacob, his father, and how he died, it says he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. This sums up the entire life of this wonderful Bible character. When Joseph was just a 17-year-old boy, he was taken by his brothers and sold into slavery. You can read about this, as I said, starting in Genesis 37. It goes all the way to 50. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a story you've got to know. And um, it says he lived to be 110 years old. This means he lived in Egypt for 93 of those 110 years. 93 out of 110 years. Yet he lived a, a faithful life, faithful to the only true and living God. 
And so Joseph is an awesome character, is one of the great characters of the Bible. You don't really see anything negative about Joseph. There really isn't anything about Joseph that reveals any kind of negativity or sin in his life. We know he wasn't perfect, but he's a great example of Jesus Christ. He's a great uh, type of Christ. So dying in a strange land, all right? So the three points we have today. Greg, I don't think there's any more books back there. I'm sorry. All right, good. Dying in a strange land. We're going to look at point number one, page 30. Let us not think only about the life of Joseph. Remember that all of God's children die in a strange land. Do you know that? As a matter of fact, Egypt is a picture of the world. Um, Egypt is a perfect picture of the world. And in the Bible, when we read, we read a lot of things about Egypt. We realize that God's people are always trying to get out of Egypt. And going into Egypt is a bad thing. It's not a good thing. <clears throat> and, uh, and so we see uh, after Joseph's death, we see things changing. And uh, no doubt Christians have made this world a better place. Um, there are some famous Christians who have done wonderful things and it has helped this world out and yet the world does not appreciate the christianity or or what they've done and you know what it's just a reminder as that old song says and i think it's the mathesons that love to pick it in our book i think it's page 877 this world is not my home i'm just passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue and that's really what this lesson's about today this is about dying in a strange land. You see, there's something you got to understand about Joseph that, that is so cool. He lived 93 years of his life where? He only was 17 when he was taken out of what would we call the promised land or the, the land of what's now Israel. He was taken and, and kidnapped uh, and sold as a slave and ended up in Egypt. And so for 17 years, he lived in the promised land. And for 93 years, he lived in Egypt. And yet, you know what? Here's what you got to understand. Joseph was not an Egyptian. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I live here, but I'm not one of them. If you are, I feel sorry for you because that means this is all you got. I have a residency and a citizenship somewhere else. This world's not my home. You say he was second in command of Egypt. Yeah, but in his heart, he knew I am not an Egyptian. Moses' mother told him the same thing about 200 years later. You're not an Egyptian. You're a Hebrew. My wife and I went to Denver several years ago, and we were in Denver for one main reason. There was a display of Pharaoh, the um, King Tut, and um, all of the things that they found inside the tomb of Pharaoh. And we're walking through there, and there's, you know, of course, there's these mummified bodies. I mean, they had guards there because this is, you know, like world treasures. And, uh, and there was this mask. You've seen it, pictures of it, this mask of beaten gold, colored, you know, the eyes. And they put that over the head when they bury somebody like a pharaoh. And uh, you look at that. And then I remember the Bible talks about the Hebrew slaves and how that they would make things out of beaten gold. And, and, uh, you know, they learned how to do that in Egypt. And I'm, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm thinking, wow, this is like King Tut or whoever. And this is these pharaohs and their treasures that they put because they thought they'd come back to life in, in the tomb. And that's why they had seeds for them to bury or to, you know, plant new seeds for their garden and all this stuff. And, of course, they never came back to life. And uh, But they had all this fancy embalming and all this stuff that they did. 
And I was staring at it, and I was thinking, wow. And I was trying to remember, okay, so, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at stuff that could have been like, you know, present-day contemporary during Moses' life. And then I thought about Joseph. And, and then it started to dawn on me. Man, maybe I'm looking at Joseph's tomb. And then I remembered, no, I can't be. Because Joseph said, don't you bury me here. Do you realize what Joseph was saying? He was saying, this is the most fancy, most, you know, exotic burial place in the world. (laughs) I mean, they bury you with all your treasure. They bury you like a god. And he said, don't you dare bury me here. That's a testimony. I don't want to be with these fancy people in this stupid grave because this ain't my home. By the way, when I die, you can just stick me in the cheapest pine box you want. You know, I thought, wow, we could be looking at Joseph's bones if it wasn't for the fact that he said, don't you dare bury me here. And that's what this message is about. That's That's why Hebrews says that because that's the most important thing that he could have left his people. So, Genesis 50. Let's read some verses. Genesis 50, verse 15. Genesis 50, starting in verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Now, that was not true. But see, they were guilty. They're the ones that sold him as a slave. So they thought for sure that probably Joseph's just waiting for dad to die, and then he's going to take vengeance on us. He just didn't want to do it in front of dad. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. Now, we pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy servants, of the God of thy father, and when they said that to him, Joseph wept when they spake unto him. He wept because he knew that he knew his dad didn't send him that message because he knew that wasn't necessary. He wasn't going to do anything to them. But they were still thinking, well, let's just put it this way. Someone said it and I think it's true. We usually assume of others what we would think of ourselves how we would think. And if I was them, that's what I'd be thinking. And if you were his brothers, you'd be thinking, Man, he's gotta get us back. I mean, we ruined his life. We sent him into slavery. Joseph was sad because he knew they were lying. He was sad because he understood that they didn't realize they were forgiven. How sad that they didn't understand his heart. Joseph truly wanted them to know that he had forgiven them. Joseph told his brothers, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. And this is the verses that we're going to get to. Verse 18, his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? This is true forgiveness. I mean, he spent, he spent from age 17 to age 30 in prison and slavery. But verse 20 says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to, to bring to pass as is this day to save much people alive. You sold me, but God sent me. What you did was for evil, but God meant it. God allowed it for good. You know something? It's a wonderful thing when you can realize no matter how bad somebody treated you, God allowed it for a good reason. That is when you've grown up. 
That's when you finally matured and realized that there's a bigger picture here and it doesn't matter what my brothers did. God meant it for good. And so he's being honest. He said, you thought evil. That's true. But God meant it for good. And so it's, it's forgiven. I understand. What an awesome thing when you can step back and realize that no matter what someone did or what someone does or how, there's a reason for it. God's doing something here. And Joseph realized that there was a starvation coming throughout the world and God was setting it up so that he could help save the world physically through food and including his own family. So it continues on, verse 21 through 26. Now therefore fear you not, I will nourish you, your little ones, and you comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Again, they're his brothers, but he's like second in charge of the whole world, Egypt pretty much ran the world at that time and joseph dwelt in egypt he and his father's house and joseph lived in 110 years and joseph saw ephraim's children of the third generation and children of maker the son of manasseh were brought up upon joseph's knees and joseph said unto his brethren i die and god will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to abraham to isaac and to jacob and joseph took an oath of the children of israel saying god will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from thence So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt but he was not buried as a pharaoh and guess what he could have been. He said stick me in a box stick me up on the shelf and then make sure you take me when you go. And he didn't do that for any other reason but to to be an encouragement and a reminder to the family that God's not done here. And so he knew Egypt wasn't his home. He knew Canaan was his home. All the luxury, all the beauty, all the charm and the intrigue of Egypt never caught Joseph's heart. Jesus said, lay not up for yourself treasure on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Um, This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I don't have to have a place here i do i have a nice place here but i don't have to have one here i'm learning that as i get older it's not necessary i just i just biding time and doing what god has me to do here for the world to come the bible tells me that jesus is preparing a mansion for me it's nicer than any house you all live in right now i'm not saying your mansion's not as nice as my mansion i'm saying my mansion's nicer than anything you got right here and we need to understand that that he prepares a place for us. We're going to die, and those of us who know the Lord are going to die in a strange land. Our home is in heaven. We're headed to glory. Joseph understood this very well. He somehow was not impressed with Egypt. And he pointed back to, see, in Canaan, they lived in tents, just tents. And yet he said, that's, that's home. That's where we belong. Um, dying in a strange land, and then secondly, departing from Egypt. In his death, Joseph made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Joseph, excuse me, Jacob had taught his sons the promise God had made to Abraham back in Genesis fifteen thirteen through 16. God had said that Abraham's seed would be in a strange land and serve there for 400 years. And when Joseph was dying, he knew there were at least 200 more years to go because of the prophecy back in Genesis 15. God had told Abraham that his seed would serve in a strange land for about 400 years. And um, 
yet he knew that God would keep his promise so he could see what God was doing. God has a plan, and this is part of that dwelling in a strange land for whatever reason. You and I need to be very familiar with God's promises. The more you know the word of God, the better you'll think. The reason why people don't think very well is they just don't know the Bible very well. But Joseph knew about the prophecy given to his grandfather Abraham back in Genesis 15. And so he had a calm, cool, collected spirit about him in all of this. And he realized that God's putting our family through something right now, but it's all part of the plan. So we must claim those promises and lean on those promises day by day to find strength for our journey. We need to know God's word and understand what's happening. As the phrase in the Bible says, those who could understand and discern the, the, the signs of the times. We need to understand the times that we live in. And Joseph did. I hope that my life, and especially my death, will be an example to my family. This world's not our home, we're just passing through. I'm not picking on you and I'm not picking on anybody or or making a big deal about it, but you don't need to give one more dollar to the funeral home director so they can put something in the ground that will never be seen again and will just rot away. They make you put a vault in the ground here in Custer County and in most counties. They make you put a vault in the ground. I don't know why exactly, but I guess there might be some reason for it. And, and, uh, but you know what? I'm, I mean it. Just the simplest pine box is, is good enough. Now, if you want to have a little more fancy, that's fine. But it's just going in the dirt. And if they're a Christian, they're not going to stay in that thing forever. They're just going to be in there for a while. And they'll, they'll be checking out. And we need to recognize some things. We need to understand the importance of dying well. The box here says at times we take our eyes off the promises of God and begin to live as if this world is all there is. And shame on you if you're a Christian, or you say you are, but you're living like this world is all there is. And Joseph, in what he said, proved this world's not all there is. The Egyptians, their whole purpose of embalming is to try to keep themselves intact so that they could come back to life. The whole purpose of burying garden seeds with them and burying their money with them is so that when they came back to life, they'd have all their stuff with them. They didn't understand this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. Joseph did. And one cannot have the right perspective on time until one has the right perspective on eternity. Eternity is forever. It's eternal, and it's the place that I'm going And that's where my true home is. And that's why the Bible says we're just pilgrims and strangers on this earth. In fact, back there in Hebrews chapter 11, starting with Joseph's grandfather and following, these all died in faith. Verse 13, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And that's what we are. We're just passing through. The word Hebrew, the idea of just just a stranger and, and this world not being our final destiny. Thank God for that. By the way, did you notice that a lot of people want their name etched in marble somewhere? They want, they want to leave behind some legacy, some, you know, and they want it etched in stone. Um, if this world's all there is, I suppose that's what you got to do. But if you know that there's an award ceremony in heaven, you can wait for that one. 
you don't have to get any credit on the here and now. You can wait for the one to come. And, and uh, again, Joseph did not allow the world's treasures. And you look at the pyramids, some of the you know, seven wonders of the world. Joseph did not allow the world's treasures to impress him and to take his eyes off of what really mattered. So then we see dying in a strange land, departing from Egypt, and then the, the depositing of his bones. Uh, Joseph knew he was going to die in Egypt, and his bones could serve as a mighty witness of his faith in God. His bones could, would speak. His bones would be a testimony. He brought all the heads of the people together, all of the family heads, and commanded them concerning his bones, and we read it. And Joseph knew what he was doing. He knew that the people in charge of his bones would have to remember God's promise to his people every time they thought about his bones. And I mean, they went, if you know the story, you start in Exodus chapter 1, they went from being, you know, Joseph's family and, you know, having position to turning into slaves. And they forgot Joseph, just as our forefathers are no longer remembered and Christianity is no longer remembered. And and they forgot what really made this country great. And uh, and yet Joseph said, during those times, I don't know what all is going to happen, but during the times, just look up on the shelf once in a while and see that box that you put me in. And remember, this world's not my home. I'm sure it must have been kind of frustrating for them because maybe sometimes they would say, don't you know that Joseph, our, our great-great-grandfather, used to, used to be in charge here and he's the one that saved this place? And they would be like, yeah, where's his grave at? All the great people had wonderful tombs. Oh, he's in a box up on the shelf under dust. It must have been frustrating, but at the same time, it was a testimony that he said, we're getting out someday and you need to make sure you remember that. By the way, if you're a Christian, you're getting out someday. You, this isn't all there is. And the resurrection includes the bones. Did you know that? Includes the body. <clears throat> Praise the Lord for it. So what happened? Well, in Exodus chapter 13, finally, if you know the story of Moses and how that God used Moses to finally lead the people out of Egypt in the great exit, and that's why it's called Exodus in Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And so in their excitement and in their hurry, they were told, you're going to carry this box full of, with a skeleton in it. Everywhere you go, you're going to carry him until you get to the burying place. Again, a testimony, a, 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 just a sign or a symbol that this is what God uh, wants for our family. This is what you need to remember. And, uh, and then Joshua chapter 24. Now, if you know, Joshua 24 is a long ways from Exodus 13. In other words, the 40 years of wilderness wandering. When they're burying all, remember all the people who, who disobeyed Moses and you know the 10 spies that said we can't go in? And the Caleb and Joshua, the two spies that said, we can go in. And so God said, all right, 
Those of you who said we can't go in, you're going you're to spend the next 40 years wandering around in, in the wilderness and you're just going to be dying off every day. So many of them dying off every day and you're just going to be having graves, gravesite services every day. You're just going to be having funerals every day and burying people every day. And so all these people that were not be- believing in God and trusting in God, they were being buried in the wilderness and they're having services after services for all these po- folks that were dying. But there in the corner is this box with bones in it no, no, he's going in. He's going in. And again, it was just a reminder, and, and, and it's interesting that God used this, this skeleton in a box as a reminder of his promise. Finally, you get to the end of Joshua, the very last pages of Joshua. In Joshua 24 and verse 32, it says, well, let's, let's just read it. In verse 32, and the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, this would have been, I mean, this would have been maybe 250, 300 years after Joseph died. Buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground that which Jacob brought, bought of his, the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. It's a long time that they carried that coffin around. But it was a constant reminder that God's going to keep his promise. And whether it's a temptation to make some great big tomb for me, some great big fancy shrine, I mean, who knows? He could have been sitting next to King Tut and those golden everything that they had in there, the golden censers, the golden mask, and all that stuff that you see in the museums now. Don't you have the temptation to do that? On the other hand, when the going gets rough and everything's tough, you just remember there's going to be a burial for these bones because God's going to keep his promise. Not only a burial, but one day there's going to be a resurrection for those bones too. God has given us something that has been handed down from one generation to the next. I'm thankful it's not a coffin with bones in it. But what God's given us is the Bible, the word of God. Every time we read it, teach it, preach it, memorize it, we're reminded of our God and all that he has promised to do. You know what, you know what Jesus said? He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. I mentioned it last week. We don't have that guarantee for the documents hanging on the wall out there. They're awesome documents. That Bill of Rights, the Constitution Bill of Rights, that's, that's just, I'm, that's awesome. But there is no guarantee that they'll last forever, but there is a guarantee that this will right here. And oh, by the way, it's so far so good. And so we need to recognize that God's given us something to go back and look at whenever this world makes us doubt. And whenever we start to wonder, is there, do we look like losers? Do we look like we're, we'll never win? No, just go back to what God's promised. Go back and review and remind yourself of what God's promised. We don't lose. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And if you were second in command of Egypt and you were the hero of the country, I promise you, you could have had a great burial. You could have had a monster-sized tombstone. But he didn't. What a testimony that is. I'll quickly give you a few other things. You can jot these down if you care to. But uh, notice the power of Joseph's faith over worldly prosperity. Lay up your treasure in heaven and on the earth. 
it's a testimony. I just saw someone posted something about George Mueller. George Mueller was a man who just, he gave his life for God. He, he was a man who took care of thousands of orphans over in England. He was, he was a man who was a great giver. It's, it was said of him, he didn't just tithe or give a budgeted amount every every week of his of his income he just took what he needed to live on and everything else went to others he was that kind of a, of a person and god greatly blessed him and god used him and, and answered prayers in my, mighty ways uh joseph's faith proves um that he had power that others didn't have he recognized god and his bank in heaven being more important than the bank on earth um he triumphed over death. He wasn't worried about death and he wasn't worried about, you know, having a fancy grave like, like these others who had no hope of death and their their purpose of embalming and entombing was hope for, for another life in that world. And just laughing at the impossibilities and knowing and saying, no matter what, you are going to get out of here. And then notice also about Joseph's faith. Uh, as I said earlier, he was not an Egyptian. If he was an Egyptian, you'd find him in an Egyptian grave. He desired to be counted with God's people. We'll also see that when we look at Moses in Hebrews 11. It says, choosing rather to suffer suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Choosing rather to suffer the reproach of Christ than the treasures of Egypt. That's what it was said about Moses. I'm sure Moses probably looked at Joseph Coffin once in a while and thought, that's a testimony. You think about it. You think maybe Moses knew about Joseph? Of course he did. And Moses would have had inside access growing up the way he he did and probably looked to Joseph as a hero of his own. And he wanted to be counted with God's people. He was confident in God's promises. And he focused on spiritual blessings rather than just material blessings. And when you're that kind of a person, you live that kind of a faith life, you encourage the faith of others. And his life and his testimony encouraged others. And then obviously then his example as we as we see here. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter ten and just and just read. Because this includes Joseph. First Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians ten, verse one. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the seas. That included Joseph's bones. And were all baptized unto Moses in the clouds and in the sea when they crossed the Red Sea and divided in half. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Talked about that this morning. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. And as it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And you know the story. Some of these people that that were that had exited Egypt were soon uh, short-sighted and soon forgot about the promises of God and started worshiping a golden calf. Verse 8, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples or examples 
and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. What an example that Joseph left. He left in a simple yet profound example, and that's why Hebrews 11 simply says, when he died, he gave commandment concerning his bones. Because it's an example, it's a reminder that this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. And we ought to do our best and do due diligence and do what we ought to do. And Joseph did. He made Egypt a wonderful place. He turned Egypt into the most thriving country in the world. He made Egypt the richest country in the world. And yet he said, don't you dare bury me in one of these fancy pyramids. And don't you dare make, make it like this world is all there is. I want my death and my burial to be a reminder that this world is not all there is. What a great example that is. Because did you know that Christ is coming again? And this world is not all there is. I totally disagree with people who cremate them, have themselves cremated and then scatter their ashes over Cubs Wrigley Field. I disagree with that. Because certainly there's more to life than being a Cubs fan. I I know that my Savior said that I'm not going to be stuck in Egypt forever. And one day he's going to help me and all of us check out of here. And so if you ask me, I'll tell you, burial is a biblical thing to do. Now, if you've got a loved one that was cremated, don't don't sweat it. God knows where every little piece of ash is at. All right? And some people are cremated on accident and explosions and things. The point is, is that as a testimony, Joseph said, I'm going to rise again. And when I rise again, I don't want to look like I was an Egyptian. I want to look like I was one of God's people. that's our testimony that we recognize that we have this example that we could follow and the bible says that the dead in christ will rise first that's going to include joseph's bones and we will be with him we will be with the savior awesome um what a, what a great testimony what a great thing to leave this world behind with he was a great person but he died even greater and he was buried so many years after his death as a testimony to his people. And I hope that your life and your death is a testimony of what you believe. It's truly a testimony of what you trusted in, what you believe. It wouldn't be a bad thing. I know it might sound morbid, but it wouldn't be a bad thing to write down or at least make someone else know what your desires are at your funeral. For some of us, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. We already know, everybody know, But that, that you request that that Jesus is preached, that the resurrection and the hope of eternal life is preached, that this world is not all there is. And, and if you are in a pine box, make sure the preacher points out, it's not because we're too cheap and we want to spend every other dime that he left us. That's not why we put him in a pine box. It's just that he know that's such a waste of money. Oops, sorry, Bill, hope you didn't hear that. But that we recognize that this is not all there is. And, 
And how foolish to act like this is it when we know that's it. And that we leave this world with very few dollars in the bank going to a place where there's lots of treasure in heaven. What kind of treasures in heaven? Well, not treasure you can find around here, but different treasure, souls. People that you won to Christ, that you led to the Lord. People that you brought into God's family through your witnessing. And the investment in souls that you help when you invest by the offering plate for missions and for local ministries and the youth and the different things that go on. Praise God. Those are the treasures in heaven. And they are greater, as it says in Hebrews 11, they are greater than the treasures of Egypt. And there's no doubt in my mind that Moses probably had that coffin in his wagon. Probably Moses said, as a hero of mine, because I was born in Pharaoh's palace too. I was raised in Pharaoh's palace, and yet that, that Joseph coffin, that just was a reminder to me, this is not all there is. Praise God for a good Christian example. Help us, Lord, to be that kind of example. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to just be reminded and encouraged by Joseph's bones. We, uh, we get mesmerized by the world and the world's gold and the world's stuff and the world's property. It help us to realize that there's something better. It doesn't look like it to the world. They, they just wrinkle their nose at it, but there's something better. Thank you for Joseph's testimony. He never let Egypt get to him. He never was an Egyptian. Lord, help us to never be a, a, an Egyptian here. Help us to always be a Christian first. Help us to always know who we are and where we're going and point people to that place even in our death knowing that there is a future to come. And Lord, we thank you for that example. Help us to follow and to be that as well. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.